Welcome back to From the Bridge. As always, I'm your Captain Rick Jones, guiding you around the world of corporate sponsorship and event marketing. The coronavirus has opened the door to what I feel has been an underappreciated and undervalued asset, namely outdoor sports. That's right, hunting, fishing, boating, sailing, kayaking, camping, hiking, rock climbing. All are growing leaps and bounds as people desire to be back outside enjoying each other, but having the ability to continue social distancing. So today's show is all about outdoor sports. My special guest angler is Hal Schaefer of the Outdoor Channel's program Drop Zone, and we'll have another trip to the soapbox and yet another fun place to eat on the road with Rick. So let's head back out to deep water and get started. April saw most of us at home, but also a huge increase in the sales of tents. <laughs> and these were mostly for backyard campouts. Mom got tired of the kids and said, let's put them in the backyard, let them have an outing. But we also saw a dramatic increase in both hunting and fishing licenses and a significant increase in interest in recreational vehicles. When being in a crowd can be dangerous to your health and the health of your family, you begin to explore alternative means of entertainment and travel. Plus, an RV is the traveling home you can actually clean yourself. It gives you total control in a world out of control. The rest of 2020 and beyond are going to be huge for outdoor activities. It's a very good time to be Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's. But once again, we are seeing that that newly discovered bugaboo, namely that so many of our outdoor products are also being made in China. And we're rapidly running out of things like fishing lures and tents and camp stoves and other items made somewhere else but here. The supply chain affects almost everything in our lives. We're also now appreciating how great our natural resources are. Our mountains, beaches, forests, wilderness that so attracted European aristocrats 100 years ago. Teddy Roosevelt, who I feel was one of our greatest presidents, had the foresight to start our National Park Service. And we're now appreciating those magnificent parks throughout our country. We recently started working with the American Battlefield Trust to help them raise corporate funds to purchase additional land for additional parks in South Carolina where historic Revolutionary War battles were fought. These will be open spaces and places for generations of Americans and international visitors to enjoy here in my home state of South Carolina. The historic Liberty Trail is yet another example of preserving our natural resources. I think this new think outdoors concept won't be going away anytime soon. Now it's time to jump back up on the soapbox. One of the fascinating things that has occurred with this worldwide pandemic is we have had the chance to watch the natural world heal. Mother Nature has responded very well to this crisis. You can now actually see the Himalayas from New Delhi, something that people have not been able to do for nearly 60 years. There's less dangerous smog literally everywhere. Animals have returned in significant numbers to our national parks. 
balance is actually returning to our forests, our mountains, and our lakes. It proves without a doubt that human beings cause a lot of problems for the environment. So you still doubt global warming? Okay, go ahead and remain a moron. For the rest of us, the question is, what will we do now with this realization that our actions can actually create results even when we're forced to change our behavior? Because to solve all of our problems, we have to change our behaviors. And that's the clear and clean view from the Soapbox today. My guest today knows a whole lot about the outdoors. He's Hal Schaefer, a true American outdoorsman. A native of Alabama, Hal is not only a world-class hunter, but has also spent time on a NASCAR pit crew. We're going to have some fun today with a true American original. Let's welcome Hal to the bridge. Hey, Hal, glad to have you with us today. Man, it is awesome to be here with Rick Jones himself. Uh, man, it's a it's a beautiful morning. Thunderstorms come through last night. I slept like a baby. Uh, I love a good thunderstorm. Oh, that's great. Listen, before we get started about what you're doing now, I I, I want everybody to understand about your background. I told everybody you're an Atlanta, uh, Alabama boy. You started uh, hunting and fishing at an early age, and, and now you've been able to take uh, what was a passion and a hobby, and you made a career out of it. So how, how, did, it all, how did it all come about? You know, Rick, it is, it is kind of a unique story. Um, I, I worked in some, some real stressful jobs uh, early on. Um, I actually started uh, in the, the car business for a long time. That's where I, I, I settled I, I worked there. I, I worked beat the pavement for a long time, and then was in management, and then was then was a general sales manager and a GM, uh, running a few different uh, stores under one roof, and um, working a hundred hours a week. And man, when I'd get a chance to go hunting, it would it was rare, but it was it was such a a a, a passion of mine, and it was such a a, a calming release that allowed me to keep doing what I was doing. I mean, it was, it was like you were just worshiping the day that you were going out into the woods. Well, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if you saw an animal just to get out, get away, have those cleansing thoughts, watch the good Lord, wake the world up and, and, uh, in the morning and, um, just, uh, observe things that the normal person don't get to observe. It's, it's really gratifying in that aspect. But so I have another passion and that was, and that was racing and NASCAR and, and that type of thing. So I, I met a, a gentleman that was racing in NASCAR. His name was Mark Stahl. He drove the Autobell Ford. And um, I, I threw a lot of money away to go do that job um, because I loved that passion and um, was working on a pit team and working back at the shop and and um, pitted for him for a couple years. And then we went on and um, – uh, did some pitting for Alan Kowicki when he was running the Quincy's car. But back then, pit, pit crews back in the mid-80s, early to mid-80s, did not pay a lot of money. Um, I got married, had a child, and responsibility called me back to the, uh, the car business. So I, I came back to the car business um, after a short stint with Duke Power for about three years working on power lines. Um, <laughs> I, I ended up back in the car business cause that's just where I made a lot of money. And I, I was doing a, 
all of my own radio commercials and all my own TV commercials for the for the dealerships, and they seem to be resonating well with the public. And so the owner of the of the radio station said, "Hey, we've got some people asking. Man, they would love to have your energy on their commercial. Would you voice their commercials for them?" I went, "Well, yeah, sure." I figured they were just desperate for talent, but uh, I, so I, uh, I I started doing that and um, just got real uh, a lot of demand on that end, and and he come to me he goes you know we need to do a a radio talk show with you what would you doing on I said well, if I'm going to do a talk show it's going to be about my love and that's going to be about the outdoors and Carolina Outdoors was was then started uh, started doing a two hour radio show on Wednesday nights. Um, Ended up uh, syndicating it and putting it on multiple stations through the southeast. Uh, we ended up on around 30 different, a little over 30 uh, radio stations in the southeast. And we had Carolina Outdoors Radio Network. So a lot of the TV networks, the bigger TV networks, were noticing, hey, this is, this is a guy that has an outdoor ear whose audience is our demographic. And nobody else is doing this. Uh, so we started doing a lot of advertising, having a lot of special guests like uh, Jackie Bushman and Bill Jordan and 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 different guests, Kale Yarbrough. Uh, uh, the guests were across the board. And then so a lot of the sponsors from TV started getting involved in this. And then finally, one of the guys that uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Cooley, who started the Sportsman Channel, said, man, he says, I just want your personality on TV. He said, Look, I'll fix it. I'll set it up. We'll 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 put you on TV. You plan your what your uh, outdoor excursions are going to be, and I'll put you on TV. And I'm like, wow, okay. Um, radio was totally shooting from the hip, so that's where I'm most comfortable. Uh, I I I am not a script guy, um, so I, I just like working with what's in front of me. And, and talking about whatever comes to mind, because I think that's what resonates with people better. Well, and, it's, interesting. it's interesting how I tell a lot of young people all the time, if you, if you want to have success in life, number one, identify your gifts. And, and, and so, you know, you, you identified several gifts. I mean, one gift was you had a, a deep love for the outdoors and for hunting. Secondly, you had a gift of being able to be conversational where people that also have that love can relate to it. And then when I watch your shows, look, nobody, you can't script a hunt. I mean, it's the ultimate. (laughs) No, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't care what you, you think. I mean, something is going to happen that you don't expect. And I think that's what makes drop zone. So unique is that it's so real. Um, you know, I've seen some other shows that I swear I've seen some fishing shows where I think they got a, somebody under the water baiting the darn hooks. I mean, it's oh, like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm like, dude, dude, this is just looks so phony. But, but, you know, if, if there's one thing I can say about Hal Schaefer, there's not an ounce of phoniness in you. I mean, what you see is what you get. And, and I think that's been the secret to your success. You are you with your passions and with your gifts. And I think the spontaneity really works. And so it's certainly, you know, TV's not radio, but you've taken what I call the spontaneity of radio and you've brought it to broadcast. Yeah. I appreciate that, Rick, because it's, it, it's not, it's, 
I don't know that it's so much a gift. I think I got very fortunate of being around some really good people who put me in good situations to allow me to excel. Well, and I, I, think think, I think people have extracted your gifts. I, I, I'll challenge that. I think you do have great gifts. And I think the key to other human beings is looking at others and saying, how do I make their gifts better? You know, they're God. Yeah. I think they're God given. I really do. I mean, I, you know, I'm a man of faith and I really do believe God gives us certain gifts. And then, you know, great leaders try to uh, help, you know, people um, make their gifts better. And, and, you know, clearly your career at that point really, really began to take off. Right. And, and, and you know, I'm the, you talking about God given gifts, you know, we all need to realize that when you're sitting there and you're struggling to find where you're going in life, especially career-wise, you got to remember God gave you those gifts for a reason because he wanted you to use them. If you don't use them, he'll let them go away. So when you're sitting there struggling in the middle of your trying to kind of, you know, just struggling and floundering around and you don't know a real direction, go back, do a gut check and say, what are my, my gifts? People will tell you your whole life what your gifts are. You just have to have your ears open and listen. So if you're struggling in life right now and, you, and you're looking to find a direction, go back and figure out what your gifts are and then, and then steer the boat in that direction. But Rick, when we, I go back to that, well, Mike Cooley said, Hey, well, we need to get, start filming your shows in two months. And I'm like, <laughs> Gave you a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, then it was like reality. Cause you know, my mom told me I had a face for radio and I was going exactly <laughs> against what she said. Um, and, uh, so a buddy of mine that was doing the saltwater fishing report on, on Carolina outdoors radio network called me and said, Hey, he goes, do you have a first guest for your first show you're going to film? And what are you going to film? I said, I have no idea, Mike. I have no idea, no idea. And he goes, well, let me help you out. He goes, Dan Marito listens to your radio show when he's in town, and he, and he loves it. And I told him you were going to TV, so he wants you to film a show with him and his two boys down here shark fishing off the coast of Charleston. I said, all right, done deal. I said, when? He said, he'll be here tomorrow. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even have a cameraman. So uh, I kid you not, I, I, I got up from the table. I went to a professional audio video store and rented a bunch of production equipment and, and got a buddy of mine to go with me. And we stayed up all afternoon, all night, didn't sleep, learning how to run this camera and use the mics properly, and then went out at daybreak and met them on the dots and filmed the shark fishing show with Dan Marino. That was my very first show. That's the ultimate never let them see you sweat story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily it was 90 plus degrees and we all were sweating, so it was, you know. It was a group deal. That's no, so right. cool. That, that is that was, so cool. Hey, I want to I want to shift gears just slightly because I think what you do right now is so important. Um, you know, I, I, I do this thing called the soapbox that I did earlier today, where I talk about you know the fact that the outdoors are are so critical to us, and we've literally watched the world now what I call heal. Um, I, we had the mildest spring. We had a real spring in Charleston, South Carolina. I think it was environmentally driven. Um, and and I'm watching the woods heal. I'm watching, you know, big game come back to national parks. I'm watching smog go away. I'm watching things grow in my yard, maybe that haven't grown in the past. 
The outdoors are so essential to us. Talk a little bit about that and your love for the outdoors. Rick, you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's so essential to us. It, it actually is the living, breathing, breathing earth. You have to look at the earth. You can't look at it as an object. You have to look at, at it as a living, breathing, giant organism to us. Now, it's minute in the universe, but it's giant to us. And the, the, the things we do to it and, and, and the way we manage it and take care of it and groom it and clean it is all totally related to, to what we get from its production of life. And so w- when all this came down with, with, with the COVID-19, I mean, it is absolutely devastating. Hundreds of thousands of people have died, and, and there's never, never a good picture for that. Now, that's just something that has happened. We can't change that. But the people of faith and the people who are resourceful and the people who will, will, will march on when things get bad are the ones who look and say, what did we learn from this? What, what, what good come from COVID-19? Well, here's my take on it. What, good, what came from COVID-19 is you have <clears throat> these outdoor hunter fishing friendly people and then you have what we call the the planet band-aid people who who are always trying to put a band-aid on a wound and think that the hunters and fishermen are causing the source but now because of covid and long lines in grocery stores and shut down grocery stores and everything else the lifestyle of the outdoorsman now the true outdoorsman is starting to resonate because we fund 90 percent of all the game and fish and and every project that is done to help our wild animals flourish and our big game flourish is all out of the pockets of hunters and fishermen. Yeah, I think people don't realize that the, the, the license fees that are paid, and one of the great news is license fees are significantly up these days. Um, uh, you know, more people want hunting and fishing licenses than, than in a long, long time, but that does pay for all of these uh, conservation efforts. Well, you take hunters yes, and we fishermen, are- we have no money to do these things. No. No, yeah. we are the ultimate conservationists. That's, yeah. that, that is, if, there, if you remove hunter and fishermen from this country, in a matter of, of about 15 years, you're going to see a lot of species wiped off North American continent, 100%. Yeah. Because the first thing they're going to do is overpopulate to the amount of available game lands that they have. Uh, their territories are smaller. There's, there's, there's no two ways about it. As our populations grow, um, their area shrinks and and there needs to be a balance there somewhere i'm not the one to tell you where that's at but when i say about resonating you have everything starting to look and where it all started is when people couldn't put food on their table and they couldn't buy meat and all of a sudden you know we're in this organic movement we have been for 10 years for over a decade everybody's going more organic more organic more organic there is no more organic food than to go harvest your own food for your own table. And 
and and people now are seeing that because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't go wait in online at a grocery store not to buy meat. Uh, no, sir. You just went to I, your freezer, freezer, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> my, right. my freezers are full of some of the best, most healthy meats that you can eat. Wild turkey, uh, um, you know, be, uh, venison, um, you know, uh, wild hog. I mean, we've got the we've got fowl, like everybody's chicken. We've got venison for everybody's beef. And we've got pork. And I'm a southern boy. I'm from Alabama. I'm going to have pork. I'm promising you. <laughs> and there's tons of wild pork all over South and North Carolina and throughout the Southeast and lower Midwest. There's there's wild hogs everywhere you go, and they're nuisance animals. And if they're not, you know, curtailed in their growth, they can absolutely ruin uh, an area. So there, there's people had to stop and look, and, and, the, and they were ready seeing how the outdoorsmen were not going hungry and they were taking care of their friends. And what really happened is when I go and give meat to somebody that didn't have it, or like a lot of my brothers did, they, they provided food for their families and their friends and stuff like that when they couldn't get it to the grocery store. And all of a sudden that little bell's going off in their head. And, and, and if you, if you check that the over 3 million new hunters and licensed since COVID, Three million over last year across the country. That's that's amazing because it it we we often want to look through judgmental glasses. That's what I guess the best way of thing because we've heard something was a certain way our whole life, but yet we never took time to investigate it because we never had to well now, I'm, yeah and now, now you exactly you know i you know i tell people all the time the white-tailed deer population in america there are more deer in america than there were when christopher columbus discovered Absolutely. america because we don't we've we've killed off all of their natural predators i've said unfortunately the only predator i know for a white-tailed deer is your automobile right now and that that never ends up being a good thing um and and, and so you know the balance in nature means you can't over you can't have one species dominate um, another species you have to have balance and, and and hunting and fishing to a certain degree does that too you know you know I, I'm a fisherman I mean I love to fish I live on a tidal river um, and I'm more concerned about marsh ecosystem and pollution in the seas and plastic in the seas than anybody else. People, Absolutely. You know, there's, there's a reason to be. Exactly. Yeah. Because, and so I think you're right. I think the, the, the outdoorsman has gotten such a bad rap over the last several decades as we move from really an agrarian society to a society that pretty much lived in big cities. But I think one of the great things that has happened uh, the number of tents that were bought in April, because Mama said, "I'm going to put my kids in the backyard. Uh, we're going to we're going to camp out, and then that leads to next, Mama. Can we go fishing? I'm watching more small kids fishing in the last few months because you can be away from people. You're not going to be exposed to the virus. That's going to lead to Mama, Daddy. Can we go hunting? Can we get into the woods? Can we do some things that I think are going to be like you said." so beneficial to us um, long term. I want, I want to switch gears again. You've, you've, you've had the chance with Drop Zone and some of your other programs to, fit, uh, to hunt and fish with people like Dan Marino. Talk about some of the celebrities and 
give us a couple of stories about being in the woods with some people. Well, that you can. I know some some stories, you know, what's the old, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, I guess. What happens yeah. in the woods stays in the woods. But but but, yeah. but but talk a little bit about some of the ones that you, that you can. Well, I, I, I guess now we're going to tell on our age. You know who Dwight Clark is. I do know Dwight age. Clark, absolutely. San, San yep. Francisco yep. 49ers. Yep. So, Clemson Tiger. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he decides, he, he drops a, an email to me and said he'd love to come. You know, he's, he's not much of an outdoorsman, but he, he's really got a passion for it. Um, he, he really wants it. So, so I took Dwight Clark turkey hunting and Dwight was an awesome guy. It, it was, it was hilarious. Um, I, I didn't pay attention. I saw he had camo on. It was dark when I picked him up. So we get out there and, and we're, we're, set up on our, our first roost trees and the birds are gobbling and and um rick is i mean uh dwight is sitting over there rick and he's and he and he's starting to move a lot and i'm i'm like we're right under the roost tree dwight gotta be really <clears throat> all of a sudden he gets up and he's beating off his shoes and and everything i look at he's got loafers on he had loafers on and they were full of fire ants oh my and that boy was and that boy was lit up (laughs) and i do need lit up oh it was bad it was bad so the other boy that was gentleman with me that was doing the show with me was kenny cobb and so dwight was hot he was sweaty his feet were burning well kenny it chewed tobacco, so he always had him a spit bottle, right? And he always put it in the back seat of the car. Well, we get in the back seat of the car. I turn around, and I didn't get him stopped the time. Dwight was, oh, my God, I'm dying. I'm thirsty. And he grabbed the, <laughs> bo- the spit bottle, thought it was a Mountain Dew, and without even looking at the bottle, turned it up. Oh, my goodness. You know. <laughs> oh, uh, it was bad. That's from, was bad. Uh, uh, that goes from bad to worse. There was an old James <laughs> Brown song that went, I got ants in my pants and I need to dance. And obviously yeah. <laughs> Dwight was dancing, and I guess he was dancing when he got that shawl residue oh, too at that point oh, it, it was, was not a a good story uh you got a really yeah. interesting partnership with greg zeppadelli talk talk about that um and how that came yeah, about zippy's absolutely my brother i mean he's uh it was he it was a similar situation um i was doing the show hunting the world southern style and um he uh his one of his engineers was a friend of one of our production guys and they said that Zip saw the show and, man, would love to go hunting and stuff like that. So I took Zip to Kentucky, and uh, we, did a, we did a hunt together. We spent three days in a stand together and became really good friends. He shot his first whitetail buck. It was a 10-point Kentucky buck, but it, was, it wasn't the best shot. Um, and uh, hit the deer way back, but... We absolutely blood trailed it. I sold him that I was the best blood trailer in the world, and I'm not. But we, for some reason, the good Lord let me find this deer at a, about two and a half miles from where we shot it. And that was the happiest, man. That was the hardest deer or animal <laughs> to this day that he's ever harvested that he earned. And, I mean, Zippy's just, Zippy's one of those guys. He is success-driven. Um, he's made a lot of great things happen for me. And then through him, met Tony Stewart and 
he's just another brother of ours now and we've all done, had hunting adventures together and 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 everything else i mean it's been uh, it's been a blast the, the the nascar community is full of outdoorsmen our demographics cross over really well um so it, it it's a blast i mean going to the track and you know being there amongst all your buddies and then getting to take them out to the woods and seeing every side of their life um it's really it's really awesome to see how their competitive nature spins over into their outdoors it, it's it's just who they are well we've started an outdoor division with our, our mutual pal chris velarde and and you know oh, yeah. chris convinced me that you know the college football fan the the, the country music fan uh was the outdoor fan uh, there was such commonality between, and I, I've got so many coaching friends that love to hunt, hunt fish and heck every country music artist I know can't wait to get in the woods. Um, and, and so we feel there's a real growth opportunity in outdoor sports, um, uh, to, to bring more corporate sponsors to, uh, programs like drop zone and, uh, other programs at the outdoor channel. And, uh, and other things, but more importantly, to start changing people's perspective and understand that the connectivity to this very, very small planet that we live yes. on is going to depend on us understanding that the outdoorsman really adds value and brings clarity to protecting the environment, to protecting our lakes, our woods, our mountains our wild places. Uh, and I think that's such a critical thing. And I think what you're doing well, uh, really, you know, c- cements that. Well, Rick, it, it, you got to look at this. It's ever a lot of these people, these environmentalists and, and everybody else, they're on the outside looking in that they, they, they truly have no idea until you do like, like me and many of my uh, peers have done in, in this industry. I went and spent 17 days out in the bush in Alaska, got flown in, dropped off by a plane, and then on horseback another 20 miles further in until you wake up every morning in a tent, just like I just did last week in Idaho, and 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 walk through the mountains or walk through these creeks and see every kind of animal you could possibly see. And, and understanding, when you're out in there, you understand how that that ecosystem works how this animal depends on this animal, how that, I mean, like there's, there's rodents that depend on moose poop because of the moss and lichens and stuff that, that, that it causes grow to, to grow. And, and, and bears depend on, you know, on, on moose calves and, and stuff like that. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing when you see, when you get out there and you get around it and you see the connectivity of it, um, it it's, it's unbelievable how all this happens and you can't, there's no way you can tell us how to fix it or how to protect it unless you get out there like the outdoorsmen and your true outdoorsmen do. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this there, it only takes one bad apple to make the whole basket look bad. And there are some people who go out in the outdoors for the wrong reasons. And just like there's people that go into to Wall Street for the wrong reasons and everything else, but we don't think all stock marketers or, or stock market employees are bad or whatever. It it is there's we are all human. We're all people. 
And there's always going to be people who make mistakes or are or, or led down the wrong path. But you can't judge the whole lot by one or two people. Um, if you talk to any any conservation at any any conservation employee at any state, no matter what they call themselves, whether you call them a game warden, uh, uh, fish and game, whatever you want to call them, they, they all know 100% that the hunter is the key to the survival of the ecosystem in the North America. And with that said as well, hunters need to realize that these conservation officers are there for us, not against us. And uh, just like that, it, conservation officers can get a bad name. Uh, when they pull up in my camp, I'm happy. I'll stop what I'm doing, shake their hand, thank them, and want to sit there and have and learn something from them because them, like like us, are out here in it every day of our life. And it just it's, it's all perception, and we need to – we need to take judgmental classes off in all facets of our life, not just in the outdoors people, not just in, in, in race, creed, or anything else. <clears throat> you need to take it off across the board because well, judgment's what's caused, caused the problems and that we have in this country. And uh, to me, I, 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 it's the greatest country in the world still to this day with all our faults. There's no reason why this country cannot unite and make the world and be the example for the rest of the world. Well, I think uh, we're going to get back together in the outdoors more than ever. And I think that bodes well for all of us. I think it bodes well for our planet. Um, and, and you've been a great brand ambassador and have been preaching that gospel for a long, long time. So I, I can't thank you enough today for sharing your time and your stories with us from the bridge. It's time again for On the Road with Rick. We've talked a lot today about hunting an exotic game. Well, there's a great place to enjoy these delicacies without heading to the woods. It's the Buckhorn Exchange in the Lincoln Park neighborhood of Denver, Colorado. Since 1893, they've been serving some of the finest steaks in the country, along with that wonderful specialty known as Rocky Mountain Oysters. Those are lamb testicles for the rest of you out there. But they also serve some terrific game dishes like elk, bison, yak, quail, and even ostrich. This is a special place with a special menu and a special atmosphere. You should plan to head to the Buckhorn the next time you're in Denver. Well, it's time to head back to shore and get some work done. We'll see you next week from the bridge.